Well, we, uh, we started a series a few weeks ago called The Fight of Faith, and we're in part three. Now, let's look at 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. And if you're there at home, you know, I encourage you to get your Bible. I know the scriptures are on the screen, but it'd be good for you to look at your Bible. Turn to these scriptures. We won't take the time for you to turn to all of them, but we'll put them on the screen. But ones that we do stay on, turn to them, look at them. In your Bible, that's, that's good for us to see that. Locate them. It says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of of many witnesses. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Well, is there a fight that the Christian is to fight in the earth? Well, evidently, it says here, fight the good fight, the fight of faith. This is Paul speaking to Timothy or writing to Timothy. And as we've gotten into this, we, we've touched on the fact that there is a fight in the Christian life. Now, we wish there wouldn't be, wish there would just never be any kind of conflict here on this earth, but that's not the case. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, in the Amplified, says, Fight the good fight of faith in, co in the conflict with evil. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, for which you, were made, you made the good confession of faith, in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Here it says, in the conflict with evil. Now, we don't war against the devil trying to uh, fight with him in the sense we're trying to beat him because Jesus has already won the victory, and we're going to get into that some. Touch on that. But there is, a, there is a conflict going on on the earth. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. We're reviewing some of the scriptures we've gone over, just setting the stage. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. This is Paul in the last part of his life. He said, And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have fought. This is at the end of his race. He's saying, I have. I've, I've done what I needed to do. He said, I fought the good fight of faith. I, fi I finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. So there is a fight on this earth. The fight that we're supposed to be in is the fight of faith. Any other fight that we would get in, that means we're in the wrong fight. Our fight is to believe God. See, believing is being in faith. Being in faith is believing. Believing what God has said. Believing what He's promised in His Word. Believing what He said to your heart by His Spirit. For your life, you know, not everything that you're going to need, direction that you need for life is in the Bible. Concepts are in the Bible. God's truth, His principles are in the Bible. But not everything you're going to need to be led in your life is in the Bible. In other words, the Bible doesn't tell you where to work. The Bible doesn't tell you who you should marry. The Bible doesn't tell you what state you should live in. The Bible doesn't tell you what church to go to. We are going to have to discern those things by our spirit being led by the Spirit of God. 
But if God, when God speaks to your heart, and it's not, I'm not talking about an audible voice, you know, we had a, a series that we finished a little bit ago uh, called Hearing from Him, talking about how God uh, communicates with us, and it's by your spirit on the inside, the real, the real you. But what He communicates to you by, uh, through His Spirit to your spirit is, is just as real as what the Word has to say to you. In other words, if it's the Spirit of God speaking to you, telling you, and you're impressed to do something, and it's truly Him, that's His direction for you, and you can put a stake on it. Now, you don't elevate that to the same level as the written Word of God. That, that is above all, everything. But the Bible leads us by His Word and by His Spirit. In other words, you don't follow something you think is His Spirit if it conflicts with the Word. He, he will never, the Spirit of God will never lead you in a way that conflicts with the Word of God. But if, if it's in a way that it, it is uh, lines up with the Word of God, and it is really Him bearing witness with you, then you can look to that and stand on that and say, God, you told me this, and I am going to believe you, that what you said is going to come to pass. You know, let's say, uh, you know, you took a particular position or job or, you know, you're in a certain line of work. If you believe that it's God that, helped, that led you there and got you there and, and you trusted Him and you followed Him and you took time to pray and time to be led and you believed, you know, with everything and you were not going into the details of that, go listen to that series, Hearing From Him goes into some detail. You were led by peace. You were led by a leading on the inside and it was Him. Then you hold on to that even when uh, circumstances are rough, you, you, you press in and say, God, you told me, and so I believe. There's a fight there. What's the fight? It's to believe what he told you in spite of what you may see. You believe that you heard, that it's the right thing, that you're going forward, and you're going to have good things because you are following him. And he never is going to lead you in a path that is going to be to your detriment or your hurt. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. The Word doesn't say it's going to be easy. We wouldn't be talking about fighting. If everything was just laying down and everything falls on you. The fight, though, isn't to make things happen. The fight is to believe what God said and follow Him and to keep following Him even in the face of adverse circumstances. That's the fight. And we can believe God and press through. That's the fight we're supposed to be in. Now, we talked about it last week. We're, we're supposed to fight to enter the rest. And that sounds contradictory. But we're, we're to push back on anything that would try to get us out of rest and out of faith and out of following God. If we're truly believing Him and truly uh, in faith, then we're going to be calm. We're going to be at rest. We're going to be at peace. And we're going to have joy. When we find ourselves starting to get out of joy, out of peace, then we know our faith is starting to suffer and we're not looking to Him. Well, that's, that's the fight we're talking about, is to stay hooked up with Him, stay there, stay connected with what God has said, believe Him, trust Him, and stay in rest. Because when you're truly believing, you're not upset, you're not uh, anxious, you're believing Him, and so you can walk through and rest. And we covered that in some detail. The challenge we're going to have is not, we've said this a numerous time, we're going we're gonna to just be filling this in as we go, as, as we uh, cover different aspects of this, but the biggest challenge we're going to face is not the problem itself, it's going to be staying in faith 
and speaking the word. Because if you're following God, it's already a foregone conclusion that He's right. So the problem is not the problem, is not the challenge, it or whatever is in front of you. That's not the main challenge. It's to just stay hooked up with God. Because if you stay hooked up with God, you'll win. We know we'll win. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, verse 18 says, This charge I commit to you, uh, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. This is exactly what we were just uh, saying. Paul is saying, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. Words of God about what Timothy should be, would be, what God has called him to do. It says that you by them may wage the good warfare. In other words, by what was said about you, you're pressing in, you're holding on to those, and you're fighting to be in faith and to stay in faith and not get pulled off what God has said. One more uh, version of this in the CEV. It says, Timothy, my son, the instructions I am giving you are based on what some prophets once said about you. If you follow these instructions, you will fight like a good soldier. Giving the image, we are walking after God like a soldier. We're, we're in this, this earth, this world system, but we're to walk strong, fight well, wage a good warfare, according to what the Word says and according to what He has told us. Now let's look at Ephesians 6.10. We read this scripture, but we're going to get into you know, the main um, the meat of what we have for tonight. Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. In the NLT, it says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. See, not being strong in you and what you can do, in your ability, in your intellect, in your connections, in your natural talent, anything, your personality. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. We're relying on Him. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we, do, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So these scriptures show us that we're not fighting what we can see. We're not fighting flesh and blood. It's not just natural. Why is there a fight even to begin with? It's because there is an adversary. There are people that listen to the adversary, follow their own ideas, follow their own flesh, which anything evil 
at the beginning was inspired by the devil. People may be just picking up on it, but everything evil in this world was inspired by Satan. And that's why in this world there is a fight. In heaven, we're not going to be fighting each other. There's going to be peace. The devil's not there. God rules and reigns completely in heaven. Here, and we're going to see this, Satan is called the God of this world. Now, he's not God, capital G, but he is the God, little g, of this world. In other words, he's the ruler of this world. And that's why there is so much junk in the world. That's why you feel pressure as a Christian. Not that we have to yield to it, because we're going to see. Satan is defeated, but that's why there's pressure. That's why there are challenges in this world. That's why bad things happen in this world. Some people have tried to pin those things on God. Well, that's, that's not lining up with what the Bible says. God is not in control of everything that's going on in this world. If He would be, boy, he, I mean, even recently, boy, He's just messing stuff up left and right. Got everything in a real mess. But to see, that's, that's blasphemy to begin with. That's not God. God is not doing that. Now let's read, um, as we get into this, we'll read some scripture and comment on this more. 2 Corinthians 4, 3, verse 3 and 4. It says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Let's read that again, verse 3. But... This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians. But even if our gospel is veiled, well, what's the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Even if it's veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. So he's talking about the people that aren't believing the gospel, the God of this world has blinded. The God of this age has blinded. Well, that's not capital G, God, He's not blinding people to receive Jesus, from receiving Jesus. You can see that from the context. Verse 4 said, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So in other words, Satan is trying to blind the eyes, the... the uh, here it says, whose minds, he's trying to blind their mind, cloud their mind from receiving Jesus. Acts 26, verse 17, says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes, in order to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God. Notice that, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Talking about Paul. 
It says he's sending him to open their eyes. How? Through the preaching of the gospel, through the preaching of the word, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. So there is a power of Satan on the earth. And it's saying that people, if they haven't believed in God, they are under the power of Satan. He has power on this earth. He doesn't have power over the Christian, but he does have power in the earth. And he has power over those who don't believe God. That's exactly what it says here. That the gospel would shine through and that that would turn them from darkness. These people from darkness, see they're in darkness, to light from the power of Satan, which is darkness, to light, which is God. Deuteronomy 10, 14. We're going to read a few uh, scriptures here, uh, just two of them. But we're not saying, see, God is God, or not we're not saying, the Bible doesn't say this. God is God overall. He is God over the universe. Ultimately, He is sovereign. But Satan has power on the earth for a period of time. In other words, he has a lease on the earth. Deuteronomy 10, verse 14 says, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God. Also the earth with all that is in it. So the earth, the heavens, they belong to God. God is God over all. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. See, it all belongs to God. So this is why people say, well, why is this happening? Why is that happen? Why did that happen? And, and it can come from a misunderstanding that God owns everything, but He isn't controlling everything. And that's where, so something happens that isn't desirable and people blame God. Even, you know, insurance policies will talk about an act of God as a hurricane or a tornado or something. That's not God. But that's this, this, there's this concept in religion that everything that happens, good or bad, it's God. Well, then if something bad happens, God, why did you do this? Well, that's not God. There's a thief. There's a, steal, a, 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 a stealer, killer, destroyer. His name is Satan. So let's look at Genesis 1, verse 26. We're going to read some other scriptures that talk about Satan being having power over the world. But before we do that, I want you to go back to Genesis 1, verse 26, and we'll see how this happened. Now we're talking about the good fight of faith, the fight of faith. We need to understand we have an adversary. We need to understand he's in the earth. As Christians, he doesn't have authority over us, but he is trying to go about uh, drumming up trouble wherever he can. Genesis 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the uh, fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So look at the, go back to verse 26. It says, Then God said, so what he's creating man, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. So he created man to have dominion over the earth. In other words, to be the ruler of the earth. 
Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man to be in control over what happens in authority. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God gave authority to man. God owns the earth. God owns the universe. He is the owner, but he gave authority to man. Now, you can, you can understand this very easily in our realm. Somebody may own a business, but give authority to somebody else to manage it. And legally, they could have control over it. Uh, people own houses or rental properties all the time, but they yet they lease them to somebody else. And so that person has authority to live there, to control what happens, the going in, coming out. Has a, you know, that's all stipulated in the contract. But the, the person that's renting, they don't own it. Well, Adam was the person, the being that was to have dominion, to have stewardship of the earth. But he, that doesn't mean he owned the earth. God owned it. Genesis 3, verse 1. We skip ahead a little bit. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every, of every tree of the garden? So we see, this is Eve, and uh, God had said, you can eat of all these trees but, and the fruit of them, but don't touch what I have told you not to touch. And so Satan, being the liar he is, he came to Eve and said, God, Has God indeed said, Shall you not eat of every tree of the garden? He questioned God. Did he really say that? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. See, he is contradicting what God has said. He's trying to sell Eve. He's, he's trying to get Eve to do what he wants her to do, to yield to him. He said, you will not surely die, for God knows in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He is tempting Eve, saying, God, you're not going to die. God just told you that because he doesn't want you to see like him, like God, which is a lie. Verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, so she gave in. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. 
This is where man bowed his knee to Satan. In other words, Adam had authority over the earth. He was under God. He was a steward. But he was, if you wanted to say it this way, he was the God of this world, little g. He was, there was no one higher than Adam on the earth other than God himself. God owns everything. He put Adam in charge. But Satan came along, questioned God, impugned God's character, which is what he always will do to you and me. He'll lie about God, say, did God really say? Which is exactly what we're talking about, the fight of faith. Satan will come to you and say, did God really say? Well, what is it? what's being tested at that point? What, what is the conflict? To believe that God is true and what he said is right. But Satan hasn't changed. This is what he's doing to Adam and Eve. He's pushing, trying to sell a package to him. Say, God, God, God didn't mean that. He didn't say that. You won't die. And Adam or Eve believed the serpent, believed Satan, yielded to him. And when they did that, they are committing treason against God. They believed Satan over God. They yielded. They're the ones in authority. Instead of kicking Satan out, they yielded to him. In other words, they gave way to what he was saying. They put themselves under Satan. And so then Adam comes and does the same thing and, and eats it. And when he did this, they, their eyes were open, they fell. That's the fall of man. They, they, they saw what God did not want them to see. It was for their own good. And they yielded themselves to the devil, to Satan. And from this point forward then, Satan became the ruler and man fell. The world was under curse. The world became a harder place to live in. Now you have an adversary that's going about lording it over people. And man, who was created to have dominion, now had to deal with things he was never meant to deal with. And that's exactly why Jesus had to come to redeem man out from under the authority of Satan and put him back in authority under Jesus. Now let's read some other scriptures to this effect, uh, to the effect of Satan after this, this time. We read a few. We read 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3 and Acts 26 that Satan is the one in, in dominion. Now today you see where it happened. But, but the Bible has numerous places where it talks about this. Let's look at 1 John 5, 19. 1 John 5, 19. It says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. See, it wasn't intended to be like that. But that's what it is now. You ever wonder why people do 
what they do. Why does it seem like there's this influence over the world? Well, people have to yield to the devil, but it's because there is an adversary. There is an unseen force. We read in, in Ephesians 6.10, we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers. We're fighting against the unseen realm. We're in conflict with that. In other words, Satan is influencing the world. If you ever wonder why certain things look like they're orchestrated, and there may be some orchestrate, orchestration in the natural, but there is absolutely one pushing in the background. We just read it here. The world is under the sway of the wicked one. Ephesians 2, verse 1. Ephesians 2, verse 1, it says, you, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Referring again to the devil. See, it's saying, you were... If you can go back to verse 1, it says, You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, a person walking in this earth, they're spiritually dead without Jesus. They were dead without, uh, they were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. What's the course of this world? It's under the sway of the wicked one. According to the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. The one that's behind pushing on mankind, they're blind. They don't even see it. What we read earlier in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3, in, in Acts 26 verse 17, there is a power that's pushing, blinding men. They don't even see the truth. You ever why, wonder why somebody, you tell them about Jesus, they don't seem to see it. You need to pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would see. They'd be able to understand because they're blind. They don't, they don't see clearly. Brother Hagin used to say it like this. He said, a, a, a sober person wouldn't be driving down the road and see flashing lights and barricades and, that says bridge out and just go plow right through them you know, and go over the edge and crash. A sober person wouldn't do that. But a drunk person, a stone person would. Going down, see the lights, not know what's going on, crash right through them. You ever say, why would somebody reject Jesus? Somebody that's in their right mind, somebody that understands what's going on, they wouldn't, but they're blinded. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Matthew 4, verse 8. Matthew 4, verse 8, this is Jesus being tempted by the devil. It says, Again, the devil took him up on an, up a, on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. See, the Bible said he was being tempted. Jesus was being tempted. Well, it wouldn't have been a temptation if it wasn't true. Jesus would have known it's, this is not true. But no, Satan is telling him, if you worship me, 
I will give you all these kingdoms. Well, he has the power to do it. He is the one influencing this world. And he is not a good leader. You ever wonder why you see people that are going all out for the devil? You know, you've heard of people that were rock stars in their 20s, going all out, doing every, you know, partying and just living like the devil and influencing other kids and, and young people to live like the devil. And then in the, you know, they're prime, they're in their 20s, and you see they're dead of alcohol or drug overdose or whatever. Satan is not nice to the people that do his bidding. He can't help himself. You'd think you'd want to keep him around. Do more bad. He can't, he's not like that. He, he takes out people that are doing great for him. He's evil. John 12, verse 27. You see several times here, Jesus refers to the ruler of this world. John 12, verse 27 says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. This is right before he's going to go to the cross. He says, But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. He's saying, I, He's coming to the place where He's going to give Himself as a ransom for all mankind. And He's saying, What? Should I take myself out of this? He said, This is why I came. Then a voice came from heaven saying, But I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Verse 29, Therefore the people who stood by it and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, The voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. They're talking about Satan. The ruler of this world. Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. John 14, 29. It says, And now I have told you before it, before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. So Jesus is calling him the ruler of, of this world, but he said he has nothing in me. In other words, he, he's not my ruler. Jesus said, I came to redeem the world. He said that those who believe in me will not perish but have everlasting life. And here he's saying, yeah, he's the ruler of this world, but he has nothing in me. John 16, verse 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. That is the only sin that is going to send somebody to hell, is that they do not believe in Jesus. They don't believe he is the Son of God. Don't believe He is the Savior of all the world. That is what will send somebody to hell. God doesn't send somebody to hell. People send themselves to hell because they will not believe on Jesus. That's it. Jesus came so that people could be redeemed. 
It says, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The ruler of this world, he calls him that again, but he said he's the one that's judged. Satan is the ruler of this world, but he has been defeated by Jesus. Hebrews 2 verse 14 says exactly that. Hebrews 2 verse 14, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. It says, let's read verse 14 again. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that's us, we are flesh and blood, we're human beings, He Himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same, came to earth as a man, He had to come in flesh and blood, so that He might through death, giving Himself, might destroy Him who had the power of death, that is the devil. In other words, Jesus came to restore the authority that was lost with Adam back to man. Through Jesus, Satan is no longer our ruler. It says Jesus came to break the, him, to, to uh, destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Verse 15, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. In the NLT it says, for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Notice it says had, past tense. He had the power of death, but he has it no more. In the Amplified it says, Therefore, since these his children share in flesh and blood the physical nature of mankind, he himself in a similar manner also shared in the same physical nature but without sin, so that through experiencing death he might make powerless, ineffective, impotent him who had the power of death, that is the devil." That means Jesus came, and through what he did, Satan is rendered powerless. Satan does not have any more authority over the Christian. Satan is the God of this world. Satan has the whole world under his sway. He is the ruler of this world. He is influencing man's minds, blinding them to the gospel. He is causing destruction, causing death, causing disease in this earth, but he has no power over the Christian because Jesus has redeemed us, has taken us out of the power of Satan and put us under the power of God. Now, when we're talking about fighting, 
the fight of faith, Satan is going to try to do exactly what he did with Eve and try to get us to disbelieve God, to reject God's words, to go in a path that God has not said, to go away from his plans. He's going to try to run the same plays. He will try to intimidate. He'll try to push. He'll try to make you think that he has authority in your life. But the truth is, Jesus has broken his authority. We're going to get into this more as, this, as we get into these next few sessions, I believe. But we need to understand from what we've read, the reason we have a fight is because there is an enemy. The reason there is destruction that you see in the earth is because there is a ruler that's not God. But God is ultimately the God overall. He owns everything. And He has redeemed us so we are no longer under that ruler. So the destruction that we see cannot have any power over us. And we need to believe what God has said. And anything that would say, no, you, you, you're going to go the way, look at this person, look at that person, look what's happening, and we need to push back and say, no, I am in the family of God. God, through Jesus, has redeemed me. Satan has no power over me. And we stay strong and fast in the belief and in the knowledge that we have been made sons and daughters of God through Jesus, and Satan has no power over us. There is an enemy. There is an adversary. But he has nothing over us through Jesus. Praise God. Now, we're going to get into some more logistics, uh, some more details about that authority and, and get into that more. We need to understand what's going on. Not everything that's going on is God or His fault. Once we understand that, we won't be focusing on what He's doing, you know, pointing our guns at God. Why did you, why did you, why did you realize, wait a minute, He's on my side. Wait a minute, there's an enemy, and he's already been defeated. And now we're pointing in the right direction. Now we can go forward. Now we can win. Now we're fighting the right fight. Amen.